Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back again to another Great Deception podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I want to talk with you about the moral condition of America and of the American church. And by the way, I want to, I want to say this. There's really no difference in the level of immorality inside the American church from the rest of the world. It's really the same. Everything the world is doing, the church is doing also. And to the same degree that the world's doing it. There's really no difference. Research has proven that out. So Paul wrote this to the saints at Ephesus. Now I want to emphasize now, he didn't write this to the lost and dying world. He wrote this to the church, to those he calls saints, those who were saved, those who were born again, those who belong to Jesus. Here's what he said. He said, but let immorality or impurity or greed, it must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. In other words, it shouldn't even be named among the saints. And there is, he says, and there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Now he goes on to verse five. This is in Ephesians five, by the way. In verse five, he says, for this, you know, with certainty. Now, now Paul is not saying this is a possibility or it could possibly happen or maybe or anything. He says, you, for this, you know, with certainty. I mean, he's absolutely making this a hundred percent clear to the saints with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So he's saying that no one, I mean, no immoral, no one, no one includes those that are lost. No one includes those that are saved. No one includes those that are Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostals or Catholic. No one means no one. So he's saying that no one, no immoral, no immoral or impure person will have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And he goes on to say in verse six, he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, that is the empty words and the immorality that follows when people believe the wrong things, false doctrines, he says, for the for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now these sons are the sons of God that are disobedient. So what he's saying here, church, is be careful. Don't let anybody deceive you. Know for certainty that no one who practices immoral things or impure or whatever is going to inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they're not going to heaven. And he says, no one <laughs> it includes, it's for, and no one will that's impure or immoral. So I just want to make that clear because there's so many teachings today say, well, at least he's saved, you know, so-and-so is doing this or that, at least he's saved. Well, saved is whoever's practicing righteousness and who endures to the end of their life faithful to God. So the question is this, 
is not sexual lust or adultery or fornication or homosexuality or the viewing of pornography isn't is it not all immorality and it certainly isn't it not is it isn't it impure i mean let's be honest with ourselves isn't it isn't it impure isn't it immorality i mean do we fool ourselves the church must be fooling itself big time today for what's going on in the church now here's something jesus made really clear i want you these are the words of jesus matthew 5 starting in verse 27 through 30 he says this you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery jesus said but jesus said but i say to you that everyone and here's another word everyone does everyone who does everyone include well i'll get to that in a minute let's read what he said but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart so he's already committed adultery with her in his heart he says and he goes on to say this. I mean, he's making a profound statement. This is how serious he says it is. Now, again, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people of God right here when he says this. If He says, for if your right eye makes you stumble, in other words, you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, and I'm going to today hammer on things like pornography and lust and these types of things. If your right eye makes you stumble, he said, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, that's how serious he's making this about adultery and lust, you know, looking at a woman to lust. And he says, even goes on to say, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of your parts of the, one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's some pretty strong statements right there. Do you hear preachers talking like that today? No, I, I, I'll tell you, you probably will never hear it. Now, going back to some things that Paul wrote. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He wrote it. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, I want to emphasize again, he wrote it to the church. He said to those who have been sanctified in verse, in, in, in chapter one, right in the first verse, Paul says, he says to those who have been sanctified in Christ. And what does that mean? That means they're saved. It means they've been born again. That means they've been sanctified, cleansed by the blood of Christ. Any way you want to save it. They're saved people. But here's what he wrote to the saved people. In chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians verse 9 he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Again he's saying do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, nor swindlers. None of these, he says, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's another case where he says, do not be deceived. Now, why would anybody say do not be deceived unless you could be deceived? And he's talking to the church. Do you think the church could be deceived about this? You think the church could be deceived in thinking that, well, if I do some of these things, at least I'm saved. You know, maybe I'm once saved, always saved, or at least I'm just a poor sinner saved of grace. Some of these things, you know, because he says, don't, don't, <laughs> he says, don't let empty words fool you. These are empty words saying things like this. So anyway, so he goes on to say, 
he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's how serious this is. Jesus said that if somebody is lusting after a woman, he's already a guilty of adultery in his heart. Now, Paul is saying, do not be deceived. No adulterers are going to inherit the kingdom. So what he's saying is this. If you're looking at a woman to lust after her, then you're committing adultery. And no, no one who's committing adultery will inherit the kingdom of God. So in 1 John, John writes this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, he goes on the next verse and says, for all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful, boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And he said, the world is passing away and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So I want to focus on these first two things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Again, the eyes looking, lusting, the lust of the flesh, looking to lust. All this stuff is going on. This is a very big deal. This is a very big thing that's going on in America today and also the church in America. So here it is clear that the warning is about lusting with your eyes and lusting in your flesh. Now, pornography. Pornography is all about the lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh. I mean, let's just be honest. It's all about looking and lusting, looking and lusting, looking and lusting. So it's bad enough that adults have sex on the screen, you know, in movies. It's bad enough that they have sex and it's, there's movies made about it for the pleasure of other adults. That's bad enough. That's terrible. It's, it's awful. It's, it's, it's just unthinkable that this is where we're at in America. Well, it's, what's so bad is it's, it's just as true in the church. But now there's child porn. I can't even imagine what kind of pervert would take video or even attack a child, have sex with a child, take videos of it, and what kind of an animal would enjoy watching that? And then on top of that, on top of child porn, on top of adult porn, then you got child porn, and now you've got gay porn, then you got rape porn, then you got violent sex porn, then you got bestiality porn, people, women having sex with animals and so forth, and just about any kind of other sick sexual perversion that one could imagine. That's all being videoed now, videoed and sold to the public. And guess what? The American church buys just as much of it as anybody else. So let me just be straight with you. Anyone who is watching porn is on the road to hell. I don't care what you say. I don't care. You say, oh, I'm saved. I'm born again. Or I've prayed the sinner's prayer. Or I've accepted Jesus. Or I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and I've accepted Christ. You're on the road to hell if you're watching porn. Do you hear me? Wake up, church. Wake up, so-called Christian. Wake up and, and, and hear what I'm saying. If you're watching porn, you are on the road to hell. There is no way you're being saved by watching porn. No matter how sincere you were in the beginning of your, when you started walking with God. And you may, you may have been saved. You may have been very sincere and came to the Lord with a, with a sincere heart in repentance and brokenness at some point in the past. And that's great. But if you're watching porn now, I'm just telling you, you are on the road to hell. 
Now, remember this scripture that Paul wrote, and I read it to you earlier. In Ephesians 5, verse 6, he said, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, again, I want to remind you that Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus, to the saints at Ephesus. And here are some examples of empty words again. Empty words like, oh, you've heard, you've heard this probably. Oh, we're just all poor sinners saved by grace. Or, you know, you may hear someone say, well, you know, I sin every day. Thank God for grace. I've even heard pastors actually get in the pulpit and say, well, you know, I sin every day. Just thank God for grace. And they're justifying anybody practicing sin. They're justifying that sin is okay. They're giving you the stamp of approval that it's okay to practice sin. So when people hear that sitting in church, they think, oh, well, I'm just like everybody else. Yeah, I sin. I, I lust. I, I steal. I lie. I cheat. You know, I have a little adulterous affair every once in a while, or I see my, I watch my pornography on the weekends or whatever. And so we're, I'm just another human being. I'm just thank God I'm saved of grace. These are all empty words. And the worst one of them all is once saved, always saved. It is a blasphemous lie. There is nothing in the Bible you can find to support this idea of being eternally secure no matter what you do. I mean, there's all these warnings. Yeah, you can take a verse out of Scripture and it sounds like it might say that, but if you read the rest of the Bible, I can come up, if you can come up with one verse you think that says that you can squeeze once saved, always saved out of that verse, I can come up with a hundred to a thousand verses that completely contradict it. So of course the Bible doesn't talk that way. These are traditions learned by men. They're taught by men. In fact, the, the doctrine of eternal security was actually something from John Calvin who started about four, five, six hundred years ago. It's not, it wasn't believed in the early church by anybody. Not even the Catholic church believed that when they started in 300 AD. So anyway. Going back to what Jesus said, Jesus said, everyone who looks at a woman to lust is guilty of adultery. Everyone. So who's everyone? Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Everyone is everyone. He didn't say just the people who are unsaved who look at a woman to lust commit adultery. He said, everyone who looks at a woman to lust commits adultery. Everyone is everyone. Everyone is lost or saved. It's a lost or saved person. That includes everyone because some people are lost, some people are saved. Doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Pentecostal. This includes everyone. So everyone who lusts, looks at a woman to lust, everyone then commits adultery. Everyone is everyone. So, Again, Paul wrote to the saved believers in Corinth, do not be deceived. No adulterer will enter heaven. Okay, here we go again. Everyone who looks at a woman to lust commits adultery. So everyone who looks at pornography is lusting in their mind. They're lusting in their thoughts. They're lusting in their emotions. They're lusting in their heart. They are committing adultery in their hearts. Everyone that looks at it is an adulterer and everyone who is an adulterer is lost and on the way to hell. I don't care when they were saved before. They are now, they've now lost their salvation. So if you look and lust, you are an adulterer and therefore you will not inherit heaven. You will never inherit heaven. 
So it doesn't matter if you've been saved. And you very well may have been because, you know, Jesus says the one who endures the end who's saved, it's not just getting started. You know, this whole thing about I accepted Christ and now my ticket's punched. This is again a lie from Satan. Can you imagine how successful Satan has been to get millions and millions of people to believe that once they prayed the so-called bogus sinner's prayer, which is not even biblical anyway, or somehow accept mentally the fact that Christ died on a cross or he's the son of God and somehow believe in him in their mind that they're now going to go to heaven no matter what they do after that, no matter how how they live after that, no matter how wicked they are after that. That that's that is such a, a deceitful thing, and Satan has been so successful to cause millions of people to go to hell because of that. So it really doesn't matter if you've been saved or if you've been baptized or you've been confirmed by the priest or you've joined the church or you've prayed the so-called sinner's prayer or you've even been filled with the Holy Spirit at some time in the past. If you are practicing pornography or you're practicing adultery or you're in fornication or you're committing homosexual acts or any other willful sin of any kind, really, if you're doing anything willfully on a basis of practicing sin. I'm not talking about as a human being, uh, you know, per- perfect as a human in every way, you know, that you'd never stumble in some small thing. I mean, I'm not talking about a stumble. I'm talking about willful sin. You don't accidentally watch pornography for 30 minutes or an hour. You don't accidentally get into an adulterous affair. You don't stumble into that. You walk into that. So I'm talking about willful, knowledgeable, intentional sin. If you're practicing it, you're on the road to hell. I don't care who you think you are, you're on the road to hell. So so if you're practicing porn, committing adultery, fornication, or any of those kind of things, you will not be saved in the end unless, now unless, you repent and turn back to the Lord and turn away from your sin and get right with God. That's the only hope you have. Now Hebrews 10.26 confirms this. In Hebrews 10.26, it says, for if we, now who's we? We is talking about we, those of us that are saved, those of us that are born again. If we, we is me and whoever he's talking to here, he's including himself, the writer is including himself, meaning I and you, that's we. All right, those are saved believers. If we, he says, go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, that is after being saved, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire, which will will consume the adversaries. That's meaning the adversaries of God. In other words, if you've gone back to practicing sin willfully after being saved, you now become the enemy of God. And he goes on to explain this principle. He said in verse 28, he says, anyone who set aside the law of Moses, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know, there's a story back there in number 16, I believe it is, it says where this guy was picking up sticks on the Sabbath. He broke the law and they brought him before Moses and they said, what do we do? And they end up stoning the guy to death. In other words, the law, if you break the law, you put, you're put to death physically. In other words, you lose your physical life under the law. Well, now in verse 29, <laughs> the writer here is saying, hey, How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve? That is then the guy who got stoned to death for picking up sticks. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot 
the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. So this person he's talking about now, he says, was sanctified by the blood of Jesus. In other words, he was cleansed, he was saved, he was sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And now he has regarded it as unclean by, how, by doing what? By continuing to willfully sin. And as a result, it says, he has insulted the spirit of grace. Well, people, they're thinking, they, I hear this thing all the time. I'm just a poor sinner saved by grace. Like grace is some kind of, of covering or some kind of a, of allowance for sin that God is not paying any attention to your sin anymore, which is such a lie. It says in Titus 2.11, the graces appear bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny all ungodliness and all worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age. So here's grace telling you not to sin. So this grace has said, don't sin anymore. And this guy goes back and starts willfully sinning after being saved has insulted. He has insulted the spirit of grace. So in verse 30, it goes on to say, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. And again, the Lord would judge his people. Again, he's not talking about the people down at the whorehouse, the bar, the bars, the, the beer joints and all that. He's talking about his people. He's talking about people who claim to be Christian. And then he goes on to say, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So let's talk about, again, sexual lust in America. Let's talk a little more about it. Today's movies, and I mean, it's hard to find a movie. My wife and I trying to find something decent, decent to watch. We've got Fire Stick and we sort through a, a, you know, 20 or 30 movies to find one halfway decent, somehow good principal movie. But the movies today are filled with, with a visual sexual content and sexual language. Today's music industry glorifies sexual immorality. Today's music videos are filled with all kinds of visual sexual stimulations. Today's media, <laughs> this is terrible. Today's media causes children to be confused about their gender, <laughs> the gender that was given to them by God as their creator. In other words, it was God who decided who's going to be a boy. It was God who decided who's going to be a girl. And because of the media and the world and Satan and the wickedness that's going on, children are being confused about that now. And what's terrible, even worse than them being confused, is as a result of this gender confusion now that our children are, some of them being exposed to, many children now think that they need to be transgendered to the other sex. And so some of them end up surgically mutilating their bodies permanently with destructive results. It's so sad. Some of the stories I've seen about this are just unbelievable. And to think that the schools are protecting kids who, uh, who want to do something like this to themselves when, you know, it's funny, you, a 12 year old can't even have a, a checking account at a bank because he's not, he's not able to make financial decisions and handle money yet. Yet he can decide, a boy can decide he wants to be a girl and go have himself castrated. Or, or take drugs or something or hormones to try to change, change his appearance. But yet we let kids make decisions like that. This is so crazy. Anyway, going back to the sexual lust that's in America, it's just, I mean, you can tell I'm bothered by all this. But even today's television commercials can hardly promote any kind of product 
anything from peanut butter to hairspray without using some beautiful, immodestly dressed woman to dis- to display her body along with the product. As they say, sex sells. That's what they say. You know, it's sex sells. Well, I guess it does. I mean, because we're sexually, this country is so sexually driven. This country is so desensitized to, that we think nothing of seeing sexual things on TV, seeing people naked, seeing people acting out sexual fantasies. I mean, we don't even think much about it anymore because we're so desensitized as Americans and even the church is. And even our clothing manufacturers today, they have pushed the boundaries of how short or how low cut or how tight they can make women's and girls' clothing. I mean, it's, it's, it's so that, you know, what's going on here? What's, what's this all about? Well, that, first of all, they know that men lust to see as much skin or as much boobs or as much butt or as much legs as possible. This is the truth. This is what men are looking at. It might sound a little rough for me to say that, but it's the truth. Wake up. And for women, when they get these clothes like this, they buy these clothes, they put them on, they go around, the, you know, the dress is all the way up to their bottom and their legs are showing, the, the, the tops are down to the, they got, you can see the, the valley between the mountains and, and they've got lots of back and arms and shoulders and skin and necks and legs and bellies showing. And so the women, they think, oh, this is so cute, you know, or this is just in style or this is the style today. And they also like to be desired and, and whistle at by the guys. But women, for the most part, do not understand the lust of a man. They don't understand that, that they just want to be popular and, and, you know, be in style and all of that and, and be desired by guys, you know, to be thinking that the guys think they're cute or whatever. But, you know, wake up here. But for men and the boys, it's all about how much they can see and the lust that they can, can have over it. So the spirit of lust drives men and boys to see as much of the skin, as much of the boobs, as much of the butt, as much of the legs as they possibly can from the female body. America is supercharged with sexual lust and sexual immorality. I will say that again. America is supercharged with sexual lust and sexual immorality. I realize it's all over the world, but I'm talking about America. This is where we live here. And besides all the things I've already mentioned today, I want to take a look, another little closer look at pornography. I'm going to go a little more on this pornography thing. Pornography destroys minds. It destroys lives. It destroys marriages and it destroys souls. It is a terrible disease. It's a terrible spiritual sickness we have in our country. And so many people are involved in it. Research has shown that 78% of church-going men are in pornography. Research has also shown that 33% of church-going women are in pornography. So research has also shown that many of those who are in pornography end up committing adultery or fornication if they're single. And being a so-called Christian doesn't seem to have any kind of effect on reducing that. So adultery often leads to broken marriages, ending in divorce. And again, it is no different in the church than it is in the rest of the world. In fact, the divorce rate in the church is actually higher than the outside secular world. What about divorce? 
Divorce breaks up families. The family is the unit, the family is the basic unit of the fiber of our society. It's the basic unit of the fiber of the church. It's, it's what makes things work in our society. And when the families start breaking up, our whole society starts falling apart. And it is falling apart. Can you look around and not see what's going on? The whole country's falling apart. The whole world is falling apart, morally speaking. And it, it, we have corruption from the top, from the very top. Our government's full of corruption. It's in Washington, D.C., all the way down to the local, to the, just on the local basis. We have corruption, deception, dishonesty, corruption, deception, dishonesty. And then we have it in the church. We have pastors that are dishonest. Pastors are teaching lies. Pastors are practicing traditions of men. Pastors that are in sin themselves, and they're not turning their congregations away from sin. So we have corruption on every level. We have corruptions in families and in society, in the church, in the government, in the schools, in the educational system. Everything is being corrupted all around us because of wickedness and because of sin. And because the church hadn't done its job as, as to have a moral influence on the country anymore like it once did. And so the church is doing what the world is. So how can it say anything about the world? It can't. So divorce breaks up families. The husband and the wife are split up now. They go two different ways. You know, they're, they're exploring new relationships. They're moving on. The children are damaged for life. The children are scattered to the wind. Sometimes they're with dad. Sometimes they're a mom. Sometimes dad never comes back. Sometimes mom, do, mom doesn't come back. And then there's stepmoms and stepdads and it's all broken up. It's all messed up and it's all screwed up and all ruined. And so what happens then? Everything just falls apart. And then souls are lost forever due to unrepentant sin. Divorce is a tragedy. And, it, and it's a tragedy in every way. It's a, tra it's a tragedy, spiritually speaking, on the souls of men, women, and children. It's a tragedy in a, it, from a, a social aspect because of, of the social dis destruction that it brings. It's a tragedy financially because, you know, it costs so much money to go through divorces. People have to start their lives over financially. The lawyers make money. The, the families are split up. The, the, they lose assets. There's bitterness. There's hatred. There's fighting. There's infighting. The kids are in the middle of it. It just goes on and on. So the, the, the divorce, divorce is a tragedy and not only spiritually and financially, but it ruins the family. Again, the family is the basic unit of our society. Without that, we become corrupted in every way. So the church in America is also, is broken. It's broken and it's totally ineffective to teach and lead its members towards godly living. That's why the divorce rate in the church is so high. Well, why is the church like that? Well, the reason is the pastors themselves are just like the members. Jesus said, if, said that if the blind led the blind, they would all fall into a pit. Research has shown that more than 57% of pastors in America are also in pornography. I just told you about the, the church going men and church going women. Now, these are, this is the pastors. The pastors, the ones who are the leaders of the flock. They're the ones who are teaching about Jesus. They're the ones who are supposed to take us to heaven. These pastors... 57, nearly 60% of them are in, admit that they're in porn. I'm sure there's more than that. And on top of that, 44% of youth pastors are in porn. How would you like to send your, your beautiful little 12, 13 year old girl to the youth meeting 
when the youth pastor's in porn and he's lusting over your daughter trying to figure out a way to get in her pants. This is what's going on in America, people. Wake up. In fact, I know of a situation personally right here near just a few miles from my home. There's a large Baptist church and the youth minister was a pedophile. He had a lust for boys and he had a little boys group and he was doing this for years. He was sodomizing little boys in his youth group for years. Some of it was reported, but because the church itself had some members that were in the in the uh, management of the county or the city, that there was they had uh, there were people in the in the city that were big big names in that church. The police were not allowed to do anything. In fact, I knew a detective had told me that he wanted to arrest this man for years, but he wasn't allowed to. And so this went on. This pastor went on for years and years sodomizing little boys in the church and parents were trusting this man to look after their well-being and their souls and he was doing this to these kids and finally uh, I don't know if it's a state or somebody came in and they arrested him and he went to prison for the rest of his life and there's other cases like this where it happens all the time that pastors and youth ministers they get involved in having sex with 13 14 year old girls and stuff and and they're supposed to be teaching them about Jesus this is so disturbing to me. I mean, when, what are we going to do? When are, when are men going to stand up and stop this stuff from going on? When are we going to confront these, these, these flimsy, half-hearted, lukewarm, false pastors and, and, de- and deal with it? When are we going to do that? If you go to church, why are you going along with this stuff? Anyway, how can a pastor who is in, in, who is in immorality and in pornography is immorality? I've already settled that. How can he persuade his congregation to live a holy life? How can he do that? The truth is he can't. In fact, he's going to be the very one telling you, oh, I just thank God that we're all saved by grace. We're just sinners saved by grace. We sin every day. And then people are going to go, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, I don't feel too bad about my pornography because so many of my brothers and sisters are in it too. And I, I have an adulterous affair once in a while and so do some of my friends. And so the pastor, he said, well, after all, we're just all sinners, you know, saved by grace. So I guess that includes me. So I guess I'm okay. So I guess I'll be going to heaven anyway, no matter what I do. So here's the thing. Pastors who watch porn, they also commit adultery. And some of them even sexually prey upon children in the church. Again, how many stories of the men were pastors, like I just told you, pastors or youth ministers are preying upon children in their own church. And how many times do we hear another almost almost weekly, it's in the news or it's in the news feed, you know, on the internet or whatever, about another pastor, and sometimes high-profile pastors, megachurch pastors, falling into sexual sin, being exposed for secret lives and living in sin. This happens all the time. And we don't even hear the half of what really comes out. We just hear a little bit here and there. The research has been done also that shows that pastors, 30% or more of pastors have admitted to, I said admitted to, I didn't say there's not more doing it, have admitted to either having an affair with someone in the church or are or, or presently involved sexually with a member of their own church. This is, a, again, how can the blind lead the blind? And it's not uncommon for a youth pastor to have sex with children in his ministry. It's not uncommon. It happens a lot. 
So America is supercharged with sexual lust. And the American church is supercharged with sexual lust and sexual sin. It is supercharged. And we as a church need to wake up and look around at what's going on. Look at how our women are dressing, our girls are dressing, how immodest they are. I know of, I know of young men that have admitted to me they went to the big Baptist church just to be able to lust after the women. Short dresses, tight dresses, tight pants, low-cut uh, blouses, and on and on. They just go to be able to look and lust. I mean, I've actually had them tell me that. And there was a there was a pastor. See, I used to have an automotive business, and I had a pastor drive his car into my shop one day, and on the back of his bumper, it said, just to lust is enough. What he's really saying is, I'm not actually going to go through with the physical act of adultery, but I do like to lust. And I'll just, I'll just say just to lust is enough. This is how sick it is. It's sick. We are sick as a country. We're sick as an American church. So Ephesians 6, 12 says this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So it's obvious to me, and it may or may not be to you, I don't know. It's obvious to me that America and the American church is under the power of spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, there's a spiritual realm. There's something going on. Why are we so spiritual? Why are we so sexually supercharged? Why are we so supercharged with lust and sexual immorality in America? And it's just the same in the church. Why is that? What's going on? Well, Satan is behind it all and all the demons. So, so to me, that America and the American church are being controlled by demonic forces of sexual lust, pornography, adultery, incest, fornication, gay pastors, same-sex marriages, divorce, transgenderism, and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Seems like there's no end to it. So, I want to say this. If you're one of those lustful people, if you're practicing any of those lustful sexual type of sins, and you thought somehow you're going to be saved anyway, I warn you, you are greatly deceived. It said, do not be deceived, but you've been deceived. If you think that, you've been deceived. I hope that you rethink this and repent of your sins. That means stop doing them and turn to the Lord with all your heart. Repent of them before it's too late and you end up in hell. That's what I hope for you. You see, hell is forever. You can't, you can't change your mind once you get to hell and say, oh, I'm sorry, it's too late. People are dying every day and going to hell. Millions of people are in hell right now that believe their pastor. And they and then when they get to hell, they find out that he's there with them. I'm telling you, don't believe the lie. You need to walk right with God. Stay pure, holy, wholehearted, sincere. I mean, get out of that church. You know, get out of that church. I tell you, you know what? One of the most dangerous places in the world for you to go is to church. Because the churches are full of false teachers, full of false doctrines, full of false ideas. The American church has been taken over by Satan. You, and I'm not recommending you go to the bars, but the truth is you can probably get more honesty at a bar than you can in the church. So 
I would just want you to think about this. Jesus made it so clear. He said, narrow is the way and small is the gate that leads to life. And few are those who find it. And it's really very few. I hope that you've not been offended by anything I've said today. I hope that you think about it. I hope you're not one of those high percentage of people that are in pornography or adultery or sexual sins or any other kind of sin. Because if you're willfully practicing sin, you have lost your salvation and you have no hope unless you repent and turn back to the Lord with all of your heart. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmiss.org for more information, for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.